All right, well, welcome back to our 360 Preps podcast. Uh, this week's a little bit different week on the schedule because of the Friday uh, teachers in service. Um, there's no school for a lot of the schools around here on Friday, so we have Thursday football and then also Friday football. So different week this week. Uh, a lot of the volleyball soccer teams playing uh, tonight, Wednesday, as well as Monday instead of Tuesday, Thursday. Um, so uh, from here moving forward, um, we'll probably be out at a lot more uh, volleyball matches and soccer matches as uh, league titles and uh, playoff spots will be up for grabs. Um, but this week I'm going to start off by revisiting last week's uh, football uh, showdown games in pretty much every league. And uh, we'll start with the two-way where Andy last week got to see Hawkinson and Washugal. Tell us a little bit about the atmosphere out there in uh, Washugal and about uh, what transpired on the field. Sure, yeah, it was a it was an awesome atmosphere. I mean, it was the first game, granted, the first game I had covered at Fishback Stadium, but uh, showed up an hour and a half ish before the game, and uh, there were uh, there was a lot of tailgating in the parking lots, students bumping music, barbecues. Um, and a completely packed parking lot, you know, cars down the street, and so the community really got out for this one. And I, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to, to Coach Dave Hajak after the game, but uh, before the game, he was saying that he was expecting it to be kind of one of the best attended games of since he has been coached at the school. So um, certainly weren't lacking uh, in the atmosphere. Um, they were lacking on the field, however, Hawkinson came out and uh, ran past him, um, and, and you know, really, the Racanelli brothers looked uh, really impressive. Uh, Cannon over 300 yards passing, well over 300 yards, uh, and uh, five total touchdowns. Um, and so, yeah, now Hawkinson is 6-0 uh, on the season, and uh, yeah, Washougal takes its first loss. Yeah, I, I think... Uh Hawkinson's offense is, is well documented, but the other thing that maybe gets overlooked is their defense played pretty well against uh, Washougal uh, uh, ground attack that had done a lot of the damage against other teams and and, and struggled that last week. Certainly, yeah, uh, yeah. Nathan Tofel and uh, of course Cade Coons. Um, uh, Coons only had like 42 yards rushing on I think 11 carries, um, and so he really, I mean, in those those. Uh, the bulk of his yards came after the game was well well decided what in this late second third quarter mm-hmm. um right because so, it was 21 nothing by first quarter mm-hmm, or something yeah like that. so so uh they they really you know they stressed that they felt like uh they had the athletes to do it and uh and yeah yeah they uh Washugal really struggled on the ground which is where they they get the bulk of their their uh, load offensively which is interesting for Hawkinson because obviously there's a lot of attention being played to the Racanelli brothers and, and Cannon Racanelli, and, uh, uh, and now the, the spotlight is really on the program. They elevated to number two in the AP state uh, two-way rankings uh, that were just released today. But if you remember, Hawkinson really, their calling card has always been that Rick Steele defense. They use a really... Um, unconventional alignment that uh, has five linebackers. Uh, it, it was their calling card uh, uh, before even Cannon Racanelli got uh, got onto the varsity team, and it, it sounds like uh, those linebackers are still wreaking havoc for Hawkinson. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it, it wasn't, there was no point in the game, uh, especially after the first, the first time Hawkinson got the ball, I think so, Washugal went like three and out or they had a real quick possession uh and then Hawkinson 
you know, got the ball and ran a hook and ladder on their first drive, uh, had no trouble marching down and scoring, and then, uh, yeah, there was just nothing going uh, Washougal's way, and that was, uh, you know, credit to the to the Hawkinson defense. Yeah, it's got to be really deflating for a team to not get anything going on offense when they know that Hawkinson's got so much weapons on offense, and they start piling up a couple touchdown leads, and and then the the race to try to keep up becomes really really difficult. So, uh, big win for for the Hawks. Um, still a couple more weeks left in the uh, regular season. They did uh, secure a playoff spot, one of the four playoff with that win, and they can wrap up basically the league title uh, this week uh, with a win over River. Uh, we and, and Meg and I were both out at Kiggins on Friday night. Uh, I was down on the field shooting video. Meg was up in the press box, and we watched Camus in Skyview, which is the first uh, big 4A GSHL uh, showdown of the season. Uh, Meg, your thoughts on the papermakers and the storm? I think Camus did what Camus has done um, pretty much all season, uh, 38-20 victory for, for Camus. Um, pretty much the papermakers right now are in the driver's seat for uh, another league title. Um, Drake Owen did what Drake Owen does. Kyle Allen did what Kyle Allen does, 240 yards in the first half, just a, another dominating performance. Um, nothing to take away from, from what Skyview did. Um, I know talking with um, Steve Kaiser after the game, he was um, very impressed with especially his, his defense, especially uh, in the second half, um, holding Camus to 10 points um, in, in the final two quarters. Um, his defense, um, five sacks on, on Kyle Allen, including three uh, in the second half. Uh, an, an impressive performance given what they did last year in a, a 31-9 loss um, to them a year ago. Um, it's, it's tough to um, consider what um, the, the couple players they were missing um, for, for, uh, for Skyview. Um, Jelani McGee did not play in the second half. The running back had uh, 11 carries, 153 yards. He dinged his shoulder in the final series in the second quarter. Um, talking with Kaiser after the game, he said he's going to be fine against Battleground on Thursday. Um, given whether or not he'll play against a winless Tigers team is, is you know, who knows, given their, uh, their big showdown uh, week eight against Union. So who knows whether or not um, it's even worth playing uh, against Battleground or not. So whether or not uh, he would have made a difference in the second half is who knows. So. Um, Cole Grossman, another outstanding performance. I had him for uh, six catches for 168 yards in the, in the first half. So again, if he, and if he had a, a tremendous second half, that would have been a, another uh, big difference maker. So it could have been uh, a different outcome if, uh, if Skyview just could have kept pace a little bit better with uh, Camus in the second half. Yeah, it, uh, it was, you know, it was funny. At halftime, it's 28-14, and you think, you know, this is going to go on high-scoring game into the second half, and it was basically 10-6 in the second half, uh, scoring to go uh, make it 38-20. to 20. So you know, the Skyview defense did a good job keeping the team, giving them a shot, you know, and, until the, the fourth quarter touchdown kind of put it way out of reach there. Um, and, 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 you know, and the, and the Storm d didn't quit. I mean, they were knocking on the door to tie the game early, and then a 100-yard interception return makes it 14 to nothing, but they came back and and hung with them. So, uh, positive is takeaway for for the storm in that regard. Um, you know, I, you know, if you play Camus and you give up a hundred yard interception return, that's that's going to be a tough recipe to try to win on. And uh, so they hung in there. And so I'm interested to see um, 
you know, Skyview Union coming up next week. It's going to be an interesting uh, matchup. Over in the 3A, uh, Kelso and Mountain View played a game that looked for a while like Mountain View was, was going to win comfortably, but the Highlanders came back, pushed it to overtime, and uh, uh, the Thunder came out ahead. And, and uh, so it looks like at this point the Kelso and Mountain View seem to be the, the top two again in the league. Uh, we'll find out more this uh, weekend with uh, Prairie going up to Kelso, see if they can try to get a win. Yeah, I mean, huge win for Mountain View. There, there's no way to put it. I mean, they're they're up by three touchdowns against a team that everyone had kind of pegged to be the the, the main challenger for uh, uh, the 3A Greater St. Helens League title. If uh, if if Mountain View lets that one get away, uh, that that's a loss that might stick with them. Instead, it goes to overtime and first play. Uh, you know, obviously. Mountain View comes up with a big uh, stop on uh, on Kelso. I believe it was an interception uh, to, to end uh, that first drive in overtime. First play, Mountain View comes out, throws the ball to the end zone, and Glenn Perry Jr. hits Makai Anderson for, for the touchdown. And when I saw that, how that went down, I immediately flashed back to when I saw Mountain View against Battleground, I, I believe on week three, maybe week four, maybe, but earlier this year. Um, Mountain View, of course, they run the wing tee. They're kind of, you know, traditionally known for having a really strong running game and being pretty inventive there. But uh, in that game against Battleground, Glenn Perry came out and threw five touchdown passes and over 300 yards. And I immediately thought, you know, they're they're uh, implementing this into the offense so that they need to down the, the stretch, whether it be in, in the postseason or in a big 3A Greater St. Helens League, that they have the ability to throw the ball and make a big play through the air if they need to. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. They needed a big play. They needed uh, something through the air. And Glenn Perry and, and Makai Anderson have developed quite a, a downfield uh, connection to where you, you can sense there's that trust with them, that uh, they, they can uh, make something happen when they need to. And so, you know, Fool be anyone who thinks uh, Mountain View's offense is uh, one-dimensional. They can uh, they can get you in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I know Coach Adam Matheson said that he, uh, when the, heading into that overtime, he kind of reminded himself of uh, when Mountain View was in the three-team tiebreaker back in the foray, when they were in the foray with Skyview and Battleground, and he felt like he played that too conservatively, and, and so he wanted to come out and attack, and so that's why... They went and broke out the the pass game right off the bat, and and then went for the big play and, and got it. So, certainly something that's going to be put in the back of the minds of uh, opponents going forward uh, to keep uh, the Thunder both on the ground and through the air. Well, and you know how how important momentum is in football, not just within the course of a game, but from week to week. And this is the kind of win that, if you're Mountain View, can really springboard you to not only finish strong through the rest of the league season, but really set yourself up where you want to be heading into week 10 and, and, and possibly beyond. So, yeah, I don't think you can overstate how important of a win that is for Mountain View on, on last Friday. And we're going to talk about week 10 and the possible scenarios coming up a little bit later. But first, I want to talk about some of the stories we got coming out we're working on this week at the Columbian. Uh, Andy, last week you went out and uh, saw the Kingsway Christian uh, girls soccer team play and they've got a different situation for their team uh, this season and so tell us a little bit about what's going on with, with uh, Kingsway soccer and, and their top player. Yeah, so Kingsway's top player um, should be a, a familiar name, uh, Mackenzie Ellertson, uh, the daughter of uh, head coach Tina Ellertson. 
Um, she is uh, not playing uh, high school soccer this season, uh, in part because she ha is still recovering from a stress fracture in her back that was sustained last February um, in while she was playing club soccer and uh, playing for the Kingsway basketball team at the same time. Um, and so that was, was not discovered until this past August when um, uh, she just she just couldn't play anymore and was in so much pain. And so uh, she's had to take a step back. Um, but in addition to that, she's playing for the uh, U.S. Soccer Development Academy. Um, it's a uh, it's it's a series of clubs throughout the nation. Um, two of them are in Washington, and uh, they it's uh, basically the top talent in in the country. Um, it has a rule that restricts its players from uh, playing in high school or participating in high school soccer, and so she plays for Crossfire Premier up in Redmond, and. Uh, has uh, taken a step back from high school soccer this season. So Kingsway, uh, the Knights are having to play without their uh, their top player, but they're they're faring just fine. Um, yeah, yeah. there's there's still in first place and still still winning. So it looks like as far as the league goes, they'll still be okay. Question remains, you know, how how it's going to affect them as they move into the postseason. Sure thing. Yeah, and they and they scheduled uh, they scheduled really well or. They had a tough non-league schedule. Uh, they came out and played the uh, defending 1A state champs uh, and took an early loss, uh, something that uh, last week they said really helped kind of wake them up to uh, what the competition's going to be like uh, in the postseason. That being said, uh, the first game of the season, there's a lot of time between then and the postseason. And so um, uh, I guess the, the jury's still out on, on uh, how they'll – uh, how they'll fare this year, certainly missing their, their best player um, from last year. But uh, as the girls said uh, this week when I was out there at practice, uh, they are missing Mackenzie. It's nice to have her uh, uh, still as a part of the team, though. She's, um, since she's injured and not going up to Redmond uh, three times a week, she uh, has taken on a manager position in the team. So she's uh, running stats. Um, is running the scoreboard at home games and uh, is, is, is around the team every day at practice. So um, while she's missing on the field, um, she's still there um, every day and uh, is there. And, and, and she said it's, uh, it's, it's definitely hard. Mackenzie said it's definitely hard not being uh, on the field. Um, and so uh, whether that remains or whether that will lead her to uh, eventually come back and play for Kingsway her senior year uh, remains to be seen. Um, but it, it certainly could. Okay. Well, if you want to read more about uh, Mackenzie and the Kingsway team, uh, Andy's got a story in uh, Thursday's Columbian. And also the story uh, in Thursday's Columbian is a story that Meg worked on. He went out, she went out and talked to uh, a big player out at Union who's got a very interesting situation and story. Yeah, a guy by the name of uh, Big Sal. His name is, uh, let's see if I can get this right, Sal uh, Sal Valley Vow. And he's the, uh, the starting nose guard for uh, the Union Titans football team. So he's a story that I found out about um, the second week of the football season. Um, pretty neat story that's going to be out uh, in Thursday's paper as well as uh, Columbian.com. Um, he's a kid who um, is dedicating his senior football season to um, his parents. And I thought um, it was just a, a neat thing that I heard about and just basically talking with the, the Union um, coaches during the second week of the season just basically asking him um, what the reason for it was and 
um, why he was dedicating his season to his parents. So the reason is um, his folks and his four younger siblings took off for Hawaii um, right after their season opener against Hermiston. And the reason is because his father uh, just uh, became a pastor at a church uh, off Oahu. And um, he decided to stay behind because not only did he want to continue to play at Union, but he wanted to graduate from Union High School. So he didn't want to be separated from the guys who he calls his brothers on the football team. So not only is he playing with um, emotional pain from being separated from his family, but he's also playing with physical pain this season. He's got um, basically degenerative hip issues in both of his hips. He's had multiple surgeries um, on his hips several years ago, and so he's playing in constant pain every down, every game, and just playing with um, a lot of pain in his heart. And obviously this is a story I wanted to save. It's senior week, Thursday night against Evergreen at McKenzie Stadium. So um, it's a great story. I'm very proud to tell it. So um, be sure to read it Thursday as well as Columbia.com. And you can listen to Meg talk uh, with uh, Big Sal right now on our podcast. Big Sal, you are a, a big family man, and that's a big part of the uh, American Samoan culture. Um, take me through just what family means to you. No, um, family means a lot. You know, um, you know, it's where you gotta keep. You're gonna keep your uh, loved ones close to you, and uh, you know, always have them with you. Because you never know when the last time you're going to see them. And, um, you know, family is everything to me. And, you know, it has to be with everybody. Um, you know, you got to respect your elders. And you got to do what you got to deal with for your, your family. You know, no matter what, um, you got to take care of them. And, um, you know, have the good times with them before, uh, before you, you don't get to see them anymore. Now, you were given the choice um, at the start of the season when your parents left for Hawaii to join them in Hawaii with your younger siblings or stay in Vancouver. Why was it important for you to stay here in Vancouver? Um, it was important because, you know, not only did I have family over here, but, um, you know, the bond that I that I made with my brothers, you know, for you know, you know, the past three years since freshman year, you know, I, um, you know, I can't just leave leave them, you know, uh, senior year was just the most important year. And it's also the year that we, you know, we, we came together as one and, uh, you know, we got the Joe, you know, we were together, you know, like Joe and, you know, we're family and, um, you know, we do, we did a lot of things together over the summer and, um, you know, just that bond that, you know, can't be broken and, you know, I can't just leave that, leave that back here. And, um, you know, especially being uh, playing next to these guys for the past three years. And it was very important to me, and um, you know it's my last year with these with these guys. So um, yeah, I didn't want to leave them. You mentioned the bond. Um, you're one of a couple of other American Samoans who play for the Union Titans. Um, talk about the other guys, uh, their teammates who um, are also American Samoan, and just the bond, uh, the special bond that you have, and, and what makes that bond um, with those guys so special for you. Yeah, um, you know JoJo and Zion, you know. Um, you know we have a we have a bond. You know not only because we're teammates, but because uh, you know we're all Samoan, and you know if you're Samoan, you know your family. You know and um, you know we trust we trust each other. You know I trust JoJo doing his job on uh, on offense, and he's been doing a great job on offense. You know and and I trust uh, Zion too. You know it's special having another um, 
another Samoan play next to me. You know, I, I got somebody that I can trust right next to me, you know, in case I, I mess up on that slide, you know, he's there to pick up my slack, you know, and it's been like that. And, um, you know, I'm very proud to have him by my side. And, you know, it's an honor to play, play with him by my side. Kind of want to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, it is a bit of a short week. Uh, you guys host Evergreen on Thursday night, 7:30 at McKenzie Stadium. Uh, it is Senior Night for you guys, Week Seven. Um, given that it's a, a short week, obviously Evergreen's in the same boat with uh, one less day as far as game week preparation. Um, what goes into game week preparation, knowing that you guys have one less game, or I'm sorry, one less day to um, prepare for an opponent? You know, um, we just gotta, you know. We gotta be in practice, you know, mentally, and uh, you know we gotta make it, you know, make it a full go practice. You know, it doesn't matter. We got one work day. You know, make sure you give it our all. You know, make sure at the end of the day we're all banged up. You know, to let you know, let us know that, you know, we gave it our all, and you know, just you know, it doesn't matter what team we go against. You know, everything's gotta, you know, everything you gotta leave everything on the field. So yeah. You know, we're doing this interview here on, on Monday uh, evening here at Union High School. Um, given that it is a shorter week, um, are you guys doing things a little bit quicker given that it's a shorter week on a Monday? Are you guys trying to speed things up because you have one less day as far as preparation? Um, how did Monday's practice go? Um, was this a typical Monday practice because you do have one shorter day to prepare for Evergreen? Um, yeah, it was a, it was just a typical Monday practice. Um, it was you know it was a mental practice too, but um, I think we we did a, lot, a bit of changes on offense. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention because I don't play offense, but you know I, I saw some changes. But um, you know uh, everything else it was just you know it was the same thing we do on every Monday. So. Uh, you guys are five and one uh, going into this week's game. You guys have won three in a row now, including uh, your last two league games. Uh, pretty impressive victories over uh, Heritage and Battleground. From a defensive standpoint, obviously you got, uh, are a starting nose guard. Um, what have you seen that's impressed you from a defensive standpoint um, these last uh, three games? Um, all have been uh, victories. You know, um, you know our defense has been really good. You know. Uh... You know, like I said, we we have we have a strong you know bond together, and uh, you know that's where you know playing together comes in, and uh, I think we've been uh, getting used to that um, lately. You know, in practices, you know, it's been uh, you know if somebody makes a play, you know, we all go in, we celebrate together as a family, and uh, I think uh, you know we just got to take that into the games, and then you know. Um, you know, defense, you know, offense wins games, defense wins champions, championships. So, uh, you know, it's it's a good uh, it's a good feeling to have, um, you know, these guys by my side and, um, you know, putting up low scores. So. And you mentioned the, the championships part. Um, obviously, it's, it's been a while since uh, Union's been in the playoffs. It's been a couple years since Union's been in the playoffs. I know that's been on the minds of, of many uh, for, for these guys. Um, talking with uh, plenty of players this offseason, that's been a goal on the minds for, for so many of these players. Um, you guys have surpassed the, the win total from the last couple years. Um, it's been a, a four and five season these past couple seasons for Union, um, already at five and one, surpassing that win total. Um, getting the playoffs is obviously the next step. What has to happen for you guys these next few weeks after this week, this non-league week um, against Evergreen? What needs to happen for Union to um, 
get to that point, to get to the playoffs um, with still two regular season weeks remaining against Skyview uh, and Camus. What needs to happen for you guys to hopefully get to the postseason? You know, it's just you, you can't um, just leave out the important teams. You know, you got to focus on the important teams, yeah. But, you know, you got to take it day by day. You know, you can't just look forward to a game day. You got to look forward to practice. You got to look forward to, you know, doing the drills to get you better. And, uh, you know, all of that will, you know, will be is, is what you're going to be doing on the, on those games. And those are really important games. You know, making it to the playoffs is, a, you know, a big thing for us. Because um, uh, Union hasn't been, been in the playoffs since my freshman year with, uh, you know, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really have that feeling, like, how it's, you know, what it's like to be in the playoffs. But, you know, I really want to be in the playoffs. And um, I know it's going to happen this year. And hopefully it will happen this year. And, uh, you know, I just got to have that bond, um, you know, still gel together with my teammates and take it day by day. Last thing, any shout-outs you want to give before I let you go? Yeah, shout-out to Coach June and Coach White. Um, you know, they've been a big help. Uh, you know, the two new coaches coming from uh, Heritage and Evergreen, you know, they're my favorite coaches. You know, they're really cool and chill, and they know what they're talking about, and um, they've helped a lot. And, uh, you know, with me, Aiden, Zion, you know, the D-line, and with our defense, too, they've been doing a really good job uh, working with our uh, Jackson Wills and, you know, especially our D-line. I think we've been uh, they've been doing a really good job in showing us, you know, the ways and how to do things, and that's been a, it's been a good year um, with them so far. If people want to uh, hit you up on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, big underscore South 69. Yeah, follow me. I'll, I may follow you back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you can find him on Twitter. Uh, once again, Union hosting Evergreen. It is senior night for the Titans, 730 Thursday at McKenzie Stadium. All right, so uh, we're back to looking at uh, – the road to the playoffs is uh, we kind of move into these last three weeks. Things are starting to crystallize, and we're starting to get an idea about what teams will be fighting for what spots. And so I thought we'd take a little bit look at the uh, the brackets both in Week 10 and into the state. And we'll start off at the uh, 4A, where, again, like last year, um, there are two berths to the playoffs for the 4A Greater St. Helens League, which means and then there are three teams. Right now there is uh, number one Camus, uh, number eight Union, and, and I'd argue that uh, Skyview is as worthy to be in the top ten as Union is. The only problem is, is that Skyview is three and three because of the schedule they played, and Union is five and one. So, um, but anyway, but one of those three teams is not going to go to the playoffs. Sort of the same situation that Battleground was in after going seven and two last season. It's the that's that's the draw they got, and so um, the the league champion for the 4A GSHL will play the number three team from the North Puget Sound League Cascade Division. Um, I was looking at the standings, trying to figure out who that might be. It's something like Kentwood or Kent Lake or somebody like that. The one thing about the North Puget Sound League is that last year, the North Puget Sound League between the Cascade Division and I think it's the Olympic Division is the other division over there. Correct. Uh, they get eight berths into this week 10. GSHL gets two because they have five teams and they, they get two. But the North Puget Sound is so huge, they get eight teams. And as last year, those eight teams in week 10 
went 0 and 8. Nice. And a lot of those games were not even close. So a favorable draw in week 10 for the uh, whoever comes out as number one, should that be top-ranked Camus, they would be at home on week 10 against the number three team from the Cascade Division from the North Puget Sound League. Number two from the Greater St. Helens League, uh, where are they at? Oh, there they are. They're going to play the number two team from the Olympic Division of the North Puget Sound League. So again, uh, that should be a favorable draw. They'll have to go up north. I uh, forget who's that's. That's like Beamer or Federal Way, Thomas Federal Jefferson. Way. Yeah, Auburn Riverside I think is number one in that division. Correct. And they're kind of running away with things. So it's going to be somebody like that, Federal Way, Todd Beamer, somebody number two. So uh, heading on the road for either uh, whoever ends up coming out number two. And as we move on to the state bracket, um, the uh, should the number one team from the Grays and Helens League win week 10, they would pick up the uh, District 4 number one spot on the state bracket, which is the bottom of the bracket. And the way the state bracket works in Washington is if you're on the bottom of the bracket, you're the home team. And so that team is on the very, very bottom of the bracket, which means they would be home, in the first round of state, home at the quarterfinals, and then we move on to the semifinals, which are at various sites around the state. That McKenzie again could be McKenzie. That was great last year. You know, it kind of it kind of depends on the, oh, that was the situation last year. The Camus was in that spot, and then also La Center was there, and so it gave uh, uh, you know uh, a better chance to to host a doubleheader like that. So not only if should Camus reach that spot again this year. It would be helpful if uh, maybe a Hawkinson or even a Kalama down at 2B were to advance to the semifinals. Would give a better chance of actually coming back to McKenzie because it was it was wildly uh, successful. Oh yeah, that's the biggest crowd I've ever seen at McKenzie. It, it was yeah, wild. It was crazy. I mean, yeah. Camus and Sumner. I mean, that was packed both sides, and the crowd for Connell and in uh, La Center afterwards was, was still pretty good. Oh yeah. So yeah. It, it was a wild. So that's. That's the setup for uh, the number one team. Uh, so number two from Greater St. Helens League, if they win that game in week 10, would be the District 3, number six. And District 3, di District three number six is on the road in the first round at District 8, number one. And District 8 is actually on the bracket. I think it's actually a combination of five and eight. So it's like the Greater Spokane League and the whatever the Tri-Cities League is called. The, uh, the CBBN, the Columbia yeah. Basin Big Nine. Yeah, so I think they kind of have a crossover in Week 10, and the team that comes out on front is that number one. So they're going east. So they're going east. Yeah. They're going to the Tri-Cities. They're going to Spokane. Um, you know, last year I think that's what uh, Skyview did. They had to go to... Chiawana. Chiawana, that's right, yeah. in the first round of state. And then they came back, and that's what would happen again this year, is if they win that game, they go on the road, they come back for the quarterfinals locally, if, should they advance that far. Um, both teams uh, would be on opposite sides of the brackets, so there's no chance of a, you know, a couple years ago we had Camus and Skyview play in the, I believe it was the first round of the state tournament. Yeah, you or no, the or first quarterfinals. quarterfinals. It was yeah. a quarterfinal. Yeah. So that won't happen. They're on the opposite side of the bracket. So, so that's how the 4A bracket looks. Uh, moving to the 3A, it's an interesting Week 10 scenario. Now, normally, what we have in this Week 10 is you, every district is allotted, given certain allocations to the 
the state berth, and they sort of pool them all together and play them off in Week 10. And it's, uh, uh, it involves pretty much every, in the 3A, it's pretty much every district in the state gets involved in this thing. I even see Greater Spokane being involved in this. But oddly enough, the Greater St. Helens League, the three teams that get out from the Greater St. Helens League, they're all going to line up against Kingco teams. Uh, and if you don't know who's in the Kingco, uh, so the number three team from the Greater St. Helens League is going to play Kingco number one, and who's that? Bellevue, most likely. <laughs> yeah, so it's the the Kingco right now, the way it's looking like, is, is probably between Bellevue and Mercer Island, and that'll probably go to Bellevue. So Bellevue just recently got the granted the right to go back to the playoffs, and Somebody from down here is probably going to bump into them week one. Hey, they'll be the people's champion. Come on, the whole state will be pulling for them. <laughs> That'll be on the road up in Bellevue week 10. The uh, runner-up, the number two team from the Greater St. Helens League, will be at home, or home-ish, because uh, you have to play on a uh, turf site. Um, so uh, they will play the King Co. number two, which is probably the loser between Bellevue and Mercer Highland, which we expect be Mercer Island, which might not be a bad draw from the Kinko. Um, it might not be terrible. They'll be at home. They'll be close to home. I mean, if it, if it ends up being Kelso, it's probably going to be someplace. It's not going to be at Kelso because they have a grass field. So they'll uh, you know, either come down here to Clark County or perhaps Woodland or Calamity, the closest turf fields around. Um, so that's uh, number two. Number one is home. And uh, against the King Co. number three team, which is right now looking like Lake Washington, which rolled over Kelso a couple weeks back. Correct. It was like 30 to 6 or something, or something like that, 31 to 6. Or Redmond. They're both in that mix there. And so those are the teams that will be coming uh, down uh, here for those matchups. So as those teams move on, should they get by those and on to state, the Greater St. Helens number one will pull the District 4 number one spot in the state bracket and oops, I made two copies. There we go. Uh, which again is the bottom of the bracket. So if the number one from the Greater St. Helens get past week 10, they're on the bottom of the bracket, which means they're home until the semifinals or home-ish depending on uh, if they have a grass field or not. So bottom of the bracket. Um, so, for instance, if Mountain View can run the table out and win the league, get through that Week 10 game, they'll be home in the first round, and if they advance, home in the quarterfinals as well. Uh, Greater St. Helens number two is District 4 number two on the bracket, and that is on the road at District 2 number three, which in a 3A. Oof, District 2 and 3A. Which, which was probably in this West, thing, yeah, because that, that's another that's another Kinko. Yeah. So it's District Two, Edmonds Woodway. District Two, number three, I think, is on this crossover. It would be uh, Lake Stevens. Actually, District Two, number three, because it's the crossover, uh, is the winner of the Metro Number Two, which is like Seattle schools. The Seattle Prep, O'Day. I don't know. Is O'Day? Yeah, probably O'Day, Seattle Prep, probably. Yeah. Probably somebody like that. And so it's the winner between that team and the MCC Greater Spokane League number three. So I don't know 
boy. Who that would be. Mount Spokane. Yeah, I, boy, I don't know the three, eight, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's what you say, let's take care of week 10. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, so that game would be on the road, so potentially either up in Seattle or over in the east someplace. And if by some amazing upset, our number three team gets by Bellevue in week 10, uh, they would be District 2 number 1, and that would be at home against District 1 number 3. So I have no idea who who is up in the north. Well, the only 3A1 in north is uh, Ferndale. That's right. So they're mixed in with... Oh, so they're mixed in with this thing here. So District 1 number... Oh, district. Uh, what was that? Number 1 would be... Oh, Metro 5 and Westco North, number 2. Yeah, they, they, no, up, up, there in the Pacific, up in the northwest corner of the state, uh, they have a league that has like 3A teams and 2A teams and 1A teams, and it's hard to remember who's who up there sometimes. So anyway, they got to get past uh, Bellevue first, so we will we'll just worry about, about that one. I mean, yeah. first, before we even get to that, we're... Looking at the possibility of another ever tiebreaker, Prairie oh, Bay tiebreaker. Yeah, possibly. I, mean, I mean, I think if form holds, that's the way it's headed. If, unless someone uh, like say Prairie goes up and knocks off Kelso on you know, uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, if uh, if form holds, we could be doing another one of those Monday or Tuesday tiebreaker deals. Yep. Well, that's you know that's that's the interesting part of the last couple of weeks. Can can Bay? Can Evergreen? Can somebody, you know, get a win against one of those top two teams and and kind of break up that possibility. So as we move on to 2A, now 2A they play a district playoff. So it's a straight district playoff. You've got the 2A Evergreen Conference up north, 2A Greater St. Helens League uh, down here, and four teams from each of those leagues will play crossover in a district playoff. So it's one versus four, two versus three, and then three, two, and one, four, one. So uh, for instance, if Hawkinson, wraps up the wins uh, this Friday against River. They'll wrap, wrap up the number one seed from the Greater St. Helens League. And they would play the number four team from up north, Evergreen Conference, which right now looks like either Centralia, Aberdeen, or Rochester. They'll be heavily favored. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those are, there, there is a clear gap between the top three teams in that league up north and the rest of those teams. So that would be at home or probably at, I guess, Battleground. Yeah, that's where it's been recently is at Battleground. Battleground seems to be the playoff site for the Hawks. So um, the big matchups is comes from the, if you finish second, third, or fourth. If you finish fourth in the Greater St. Helens League, you're probably drawing Tumwater, and you're going up there in Tumwater. And uh, that has not been a uh, fun trip for any Greater St. Helens League team <laughs> no. in the week 10 or any week for that matter. Uh, so uh, the three would have to probably go up and play WF West. Another good team. Which would yeah. probably be up in, I would guess. Do they have turf at, she has, or they have at Centralia? Week 10s can play on grass. Oh, week 10s can play on grass. Correct. Okay. So they would be at Chehalis probably. And then um, the interesting one would be uh, the three from the Evergreen and the two from the Greater St. Helens League. That would be down here. Uh, so you're looking like at Black Hills against 
whoever comes out as number two, you know. Uh, big game this weekend for Washougal. They got to try to rebound and, and uh, play at Woodland. If they can get that win, then maybe they position themselves maybe to, to get into that number two spot. It's a, it's a key spot because I think you, know, you really want to avoid Tumwater and you probably want to avoid WF West if you're a two-way greater St. Helens League team. So um, as we look at the state bracket, now last year Tumwater got the one seed. Correct. Because they were home and home. So this year the Greater St. Helens League number one should win week 10 would draw the number one uh, seed in the state bracket and that is they would be at home against District 5, 6, 7, number 4. East so we're, side. So we're talking east side yeah. teams. So this is the fourth team from out of there. East side teams in the 2A uh, what are we talking about here? We're talking about I wish I had my state rankings to yeah. see where the, those teams are. I get so confused because yeah, five, like six, East, seven, eight. Yeah, we're talking, talking the CWAC, like, the CWAC yeah. conference. East Valley, so it's Yakima, yeah, it's, that kind of stuff. It's the Ellensburg, yeah. Othello's, uh, East West Valley out of the Yakima's. Yeah, it's probably the third, fourth so, place team out of that conference. So it's somebody coming from the east coming to play. You know, what looks like Hawkinson at home or at battleground. Um, and uh, that team also, so if it, Hawkinson holds that and wins week 10, they would be home in first round, also home in the quarterfinals. Um, and then uh, depend, depending on who else comes out of the rest of that bracket, could be heading east for the semifinals. Yeah. They could play District 3, number 2 in the, in the quarterfinals, which would be, would, would that be what? Up Number two the, the would south, be the that would be like North Kitsap, maybe right? Correct, yeah. yeah. North Kitsap is five two A or yeah, it is, yeah. Stillicum is also in that league. River yeah. Ridge, yeah. So that would be a rematch a couple of years ago. I think uh, Hawkinson played uh, North Kitsap up north. This would be down here. Um, so District Four Number Two would be home against uh, a district one or two team the number three team from district one or two I was looking at that how again again up district one and two in the smaller schools is uh, they use a wacky system to figure out <laughs> they use like RPI or something to sort out how they place themselves in their by district up there or something that's because it's a, a multi classification yeah. league yeah correct so yeah so that's that's you know you know, Archbishop Murphy is up there, but they're not going to be the number three team. Um, Linden and Cedro Woolley and teams like that. That would be District 4, number two. But, so District 4, number three, if they survive, uh, is playing a District 3, number three team. So that's a Tacoma area. So uh, I know Cascade Christian is probably... That's that's one A. That's one A. Sorry, so we've already mentioned North Kitsap and Fife. So I don't know. It's still, yeah, those same, same teams. And so yeah, all those District Four. It all depends on who wins and then who. You know, if, uh, so it's, it's probably going to be the ones and twos from each league advancing. You would think, but sometimes. Uh, so for instance, if, uh, if if Black Hills, WF West, and Tumwater win those Week Tens. Then Hawkinson's number one, and then the rest of them just go two, three, four, right down the finish from their league. So if uh, Washugo finishes second, 
and uh, then they'll probably slot into the District 4, number 3 slot, mm-hmm. I, would, I would guess. So um, that's what they're looking at. So then we go move on to the 1As, three spots to the playoffs, district playoffs. Um, right now, the uh, center's looking really good, getting one of the uh, – it looks like uh, – I think it's next week, the center goes either is home against White Salmon. Yes. Or home or against White yeah. Salmon. That game will likely decide – probably decide league title. And if the uh, center holds on and wins that and comes out with the, as the number one, I'm trying to remember how they do 1As. Do they still – do they cross them over – one three two two or yes, it is no longer the top seed straight. Yeah, they got rid of that a couple of years ago. Okay, I try to remember. So one, so one three would be probably Forks or Elma because it's yeah. Monty and Hoquiam are right now at the top up there, and probably one of those is going to be one and one's going to be two, and then uh, I think it's Elma or Forks is the, probably coming out as the number three team. So they would come down. And play La Center in the district playoff in week ten, and if La Center wins that and comes out, now I'm trying to remember. I think the North gets the the draw. I'm trying to remember, did this? I think La Center was home twice, or were yeah, they? Well, I'm trying to remember last year. Who, who who pulls that draw to get number one or number yeah, two? Yeah, I think La Center was home because they played at Woodland. Yeah, I think they. Yeah. yeah, I think they played Woodland twice. I think yeah. they played at Woodland twice, and then they were over at McKenzie. So, so the Evergreen one, I guess. So the Evergreen one, I would the get overall the overall one. Get the overall one. Um, so that would be That's probably Hoquiam or Monty. Or Monty. Um, that would be District Three, number two. So that would draw that. So now we're talking about one A's District Three. That's Cascade Christian. Who else is in? From that area, Charles Wright, Bashan Island. Yes. Uh, so District Four, number two, which if uh, if it goes to form, that's what the center would most likely slot in. They are home against District One, number two. That's the Northwest Conference. There, you're talking about Mount uh, Baker, Mount Baker, Nooksack Valley, mm-hmm. Meridian. Yeah. Oof. Those are yes. those are usually That's tough draws. T- yeah, yeah. Linden like, Christian. They got some. I think they're they're are they lower. Uh, FCS uh, commit quarterbacks on those teams. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's that's a, or um, Kings I think comes out of that as well. Yes, they do. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, oof. The center folks are very familiar with getting that draw because they they they've seen all those teams. They've seen Kings. They've seen Nooksack Valley. They've seen Mount Baker. Um, so yeah, that's that's the draw, and then um, if they survive that and advance to the quarterfinals, they would be on the road uh, against District Three Number One or District One Number Three. Again, so again, the same District One teams, and District Three Number One is probably Cascade, Cascade Christian. Christian. So um, so yeah, so um, that's, that's a how, tough road back to the semis. That is a tough road. You got to play them sometime, though. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, like I said, you know, I think last year uh, the centers they saw some of those teams. I think they I think they played Mount Baker last year. I think I remember seeing them uh, 
play earlier years and, and not do well, but they, they actually came through. I think I think Mount Baker was a, a quarterfinal matchup last year for us. So, um, yeah, so then also District uh, 4, number 3 is, oh, they're going to play the District 1, number 1. So the best team out of that Northwest is they got to go on the road for that one. So um, so that's, that's how the, the bracket's set up. Um, looks like... Uh, the 3A and the 4A number one team that they can win. They'll be home. They won't have to go and leave anywhere. Um, other teams will, will might have to do some, some traveling. Kind of raises the stakes for the last three weeks of the regular season. Absolutely, that's, that's yeah. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, and uh, uh, so it's setting up for a uh, postseason that we can see a lot of football if teams keep winning right here in Clark County. So, um yeah, looking forward to it. God, I love fall sports. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks. That's all our 365 Preps broadcast for this week. Uh, we'll be back again next Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us.